The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 526 for Sunday, November 2nd, 2014. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, tips, cool, everything okay over there, John? I hear lots of breathing. Yes. Okay. You send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We answer your questions. We share your tips. We uh, we do all kinds of great things with the cool stuff found every now and again. With the goal being of learning at least three new things on each show. And I know that there are three things I want to learn today. So uh, so there you go. And uh and our sponsors for today, uh, our first sponsor is Smile at uh, smilesoftware.com. And we'll be talking about their Text Expander Touch 3 with custom keyboard. Also a sponsor today, Harry's at harrys.com. Coupon code MGG gets you five bucks off and keeps you well shorn. We will talk about that during the show here in Durham, New Hampshire, echoing back from Fairfield, Connecticut, I think, is, is uh, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here <laughs> in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. So something's weird about our audio setup today, John. I'm hearing myself echoing back, but that's not it, it, the fact that something's weird about our audio setup is not entirely um, uh, surprising, given the fact that I am actually doing this show in the studio where I normally am from my laptop recording everything all right here on my MacBook air on your MacBook air. That begs the question. What happened to the <laughs> iMac? Why not just use this, this iMac in front of me? Well, that you use every week, right? Yeah. That I, that I used to use every week. Yeah. Well, I know the answer to that. Maybe I can help you solve your problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this iMac that's in front of me, um, Okay, we got to do something about this audio. We're gonna we're gonna pause here, folks, and figure out why I'm echoing back, and then we'll tell you what's going on with the iMac. Okay, we're back. Uh, we will see. So yeah, it's weird. We um we we've have we have lots of troubleshooting to do this morning. Hopefully the echo is gone, but um, and it seems to be gone for the moment. Whatever that means, even though we didn't change <laughs> anything on this end. Uh, so yeah, I came up to the studio here this morning. I actually came over early because usually what I do, John, when I wake up is, uh, I use screens, uh, which is an awesome, um, remote control app for the, uh, iPad and iPhone, uh, to let you do screen sharing because there's no, even though we have back to my Mac and all of that stuff, there's no built in iPhone or iPad to Mac screen sharing mechanism in, uh, and iOS, which is just crazy. So there's no way to do that. Um, so I, you know, I, I uh, have screens from Adobe, which is awesome. And uh, so I, I, I launched that and I can't connect to the iMac in the studio. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, something wonky happened. So I came over and it's off and I touched the power button and nothing happens. This is when things I realized my morning. Wait, nothing, no chime, nothing. Correct. 
So I know that on this, it's got a 2007 iMac, I guess, that I have in the studio here. So long, longer in the tooth, but certainly functional. It, um, I, I press the, uh, I press the button again. Obviously nothing happened. I unplugged the power cable from it for five seconds and held the power button in, which does a reset of, um, uh, system management controller. Right. And then I turned it back on, uh, and it started to come up. I'm like, dodged a bullet there. And I hear the chime and the screen flickers on and then the machine shuts off. And I've been able to repeat that consistently all morning. It will power up devices connected to USB. I've also tried it obviously with nothing plugged in other than power, because that's what you do when you're troubleshooting these things. And, um, and so I spent about 10 minutes on that and then I punted and I went, uh, you know, I did, uh, Leo's this week in tech show last week and I wanted to do it from the studio because I've got a better microphone and all that up here. But the iMac, uh, is not capable of sending HD Skype video, which of course we do when, when I do, um, those, those shows that do video. And so I brought my laptop up here and I configured it to work with the system here in the studio. So I could just take the USB cable from the, uh, from the Tascam audio interface and just plug it into that. And I had, I had it all configured. And, and of course my, my MacBook air is beefy enough to do HD over Skype because it, it needs a lot of CPU to do that. And, uh, and so I thought, well, I'm all set up. So I plugged it in. I, I did the minor little tweaks and things that I had to do. And then uh, here we are doing the show. And I'm thinking that if I combine last week's um, issue that I had to solve by using a faster computer here in the studio with the fact that the computer in the studio won't start, I'm thinking it's time for a new iMac here in the studio, John. Oh, you could try to repair it. I mean, the, the, I, I have one fairly obvious uh, guess as to what's wrong. Oh, I probably will try to repair it. So what's your, what's your, yeah, what's your fairly obvious guess? Yes. Well, I think the power supply is a likely candidate, seeing as how you reset the, uh, you know, so it's power related, I would say. Definitely power the related. SMC and the PRAM for good measure, then yeah. Uh, the, the, and power supplies going on those things is not unheard of. So, Correct. Uh, Correct. Yeah. And I don't know how much, uh, probably I fix it. I think probably sells them along with other people, but you know, I think, yeah, if it's worth it to you, that, yeah. that, that's what I would try. I mean, I think a power supply probably isn't more than a couple hundred bucks, right? No, I, I'll definitely replace the power supply in it and, and make it, serviceable again but um given that it's time for more horsepower in the studio for other reasons it's time for more horsepower in the studio here so uh i'll, I'll take a look and see uh perhaps i will follow your path and do a refurb unit but uh something quite a bit newer than what i had here have here yeah they're uh my case is still open with them <laughs> your case the the case with my wi-fi that, that oh, about oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. still open. They're, they're still having me send in data. So uh, in the meantime, I'm using the, uh, you know, when I'm out and about, I use the uh, uh, Bear Extender Turbo. Okay. And that works okay. 
and and of course that works yeah which leads me to believe that you know to further back up my suspicion that this is in fact a yosemite uh slash macbook pro wi-fi hardware weirdness <laughs> well no that doesn't back up that it's a hardware weirdness it backs up that it's a well, software, so- I'm, software I'm, I'm weirdness yeah right. software slash uh, there's a there's an issue between yosemite and the mm. Wi-Fi hardware in this machine. Now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Not everyone's running into it. So. Right. Right. Um, and the other thing I noticed well, probably too, also it, depends on what kind of access point you have too. Right. Yeah. Which of course is Apple products, right? <laughs> <now>. so <laughs> right. It could be a subtle interaction between, you know, this Apple product. Yeah. We'll see the, the, the one interesting thing I noticed about the bear extender. So it's a USB three device because it can connect to 802.11ac. But I'm only using it because I only have N right now. Yep. Um, but here's the funny thing. So I was just kind of curious. So it's a, 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 a USB device. Well, I was looking just out of curiosity and system information. And it showed that it was in USB 2 mode. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So I kind of wrote them and I said, yeah, what's up with this? I thought it was a USB 3 device because I have another USB 3 device. It's actually a, a, a SD card reader which sure. is kind of ridiculous. I don't know if you need a USB three <laughs> card reader. Cause I don't think a lot, well, maybe they do go fast enough, but I wrote them and I'm like, yeah, what's up with that? And they're like, well, we look like a USB two device. If you're talking 300 megabits, which I am. And if you're talking AC, then we talk USB three. And I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of smart. Huh? <laughs> Why be USB three unless you need to? Huh? That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Kenny asked, do they look different? No, uh, they have extra pins in them. But but upon initial examination, so we had a question here from our chat room, and I'd like to say hello to everyone in our chat room. How can you get there? You can go uh, to www.macgegab.com slash stream and join our peanut gallery. And I say that in a good way <laughs> <laughs> of people that uh, often interject or ask or, or ask or communicate with us during the show. And yeah, I, I mean, uh, on initial inspection, I can't tell whether it's USB 2 or 3 port. You really got to look inside and see how many pins there are because uh, it can support both, of course. Right, right, right. All right, enough about our, our woes, Dave. Yeah. There's some other people that have woes that I, we have to unwoe. <laughs> we do have a lot of woes. I'm trying to figure out, I'm hearing a little bit of uh, clippy clippy sounds and I can't tell... I think it's only happening when you... No, it's happening when we both talk. Okay. Let me see if there's something here I can do to mitigate that. You're making a backup recording of this, right, John? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. All right. With our friend Piezo. Okay. I, I may want that later, and I may not publish the show until later today. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Okay. Yeah, let's go to... Um, yeah, it's not... The, the clippy clippy is not happening when I'm talking. So I'm actually going to um, make you go away, or at least it's not happening as much when I'm talking. So right now you can hear me, John, but no one can hear you. And we're going to see if, uh, if in fact, now are you back, John? Can you say something? Something. All right. We'll see if that's better. We changed audio drivers for your Skype connection. I seem to remember having to do this on the other one. Um, at some point i don't know it's you know it's all a blur right now really my problem john is that i'm going to mac tech tomorrow or i'm going to la tomorrow and, and mac tech on tuesday um through 
Thursday and then flying home on Friday. And um, I've got to figure out. So I'm really stoked about Mac tech actually um, because Mac tech conference runs actually Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, which I will miss. Um, but Tuesday is pre-conference workshop days. And this time I've actually chosen to attend um, uh, Simon Allardis's. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, uh, Swift and objective C programming class. So I'm taking an all day class on Tuesday, uh, learning Swift and objective C and all of that good stuff. So that should be intense and fun is, is I think, I think how he describes it and that that's kind of how I feel going into it. It's going to be a crazy day, but, uh, with this new development with the iMac here and me leaving basically 24 hours after we finished this show, uh, I've got to sort out how Lisa, my wife, who also does uh, a lot of stuff for us here at TMO and Backbeat Media, including all of our accounting, is going to get her job done uh, during the week here. And uh, that's going to be the interesting part because she can probably do everything except access QuickBooks on this machine. And that part might be very interesting. Well, maybe not too bad. Well, you know, if you had a full backup of that i do if that'd be awesome i do yeah yeah i know <laughs> well, there you go yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, the question is when at what point did this machine stop working and where is that backup because she worked friday and probably made some changes to quickbooks on friday um and so I just got to figure out where the latest QuickBooks data is because because that data actually lives on this machine. So the question really is, do I need to extract the hard drive from this machine today to get that data out for her? Or does that data live on a backup somewhere uh, that I can access without stripping the hard drive out of this machine? So that's that's the um, that's the question. I guess I'll answer that uh, later. <laughs> Um, I'm thinking, well, it's either going to be crash plan or time machine, most likely to get at these and time machine, uh, accessing data on a network time machine backup from another Mac. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking out loud here really is just mount a disc image in the finder, right? That, that should do, I'm not going to do it now, but, um, Yes, uh, uh, Brian Monroe is asking me in the chat room if the iMac has FireWire. It does, uh, but I tried putting it in target disk mode, and it will not start up to do that either. At least it wouldn't in in my in my test because I thought, well, you know, if it, if I can do that, then that that answers that question. I can easily get the the data off of here. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that, John? Any any. Because we have listener Dave and podcaster Dave with a question. <laughs> right, I should just be able to mount the disk image. I mean, it's not going to be the fastest thing in the world, but I don't need it to be. I need to get, you know, five relatively small files off of it, right? Um, I'm not going to be doing it inside the time machine interface because I'm not on the machine that I'm restoring that, that, that backed it up, right? Um, right? I'm looking here. I don't know if this applies to your model here. Okay. 
I know this from someone to, uh, I, I think it's earlier IMAX, but they actually have four LEDs on the uh, motherboard that can give you various, um, let me see. Actually, you know what? I, I think, yeah, if, if you poke around and do iMac and status LEDs, there are four LEDs on the motherboard that can indicate uh, if there's power issues, actually. Oh, interesting. The description here of some of them. And which iMacs are this? Is this, John? Well, this is saying it's for a 2007 or 2008, but it may be that, others. That's I, me. I, I just came up. Oh, that's me. All right. Yeah. Well, the 24 inch 2007 and 2008 IMAX have four diagnostic LEDs on the logic board that can help troubleshoot the computer. A little disassembly is required, but I don't think you're afraid of that. But no, do you have time. That's so, the question, because uh, as soon as we finish this show, I'm actually I've got a race, of course, to a hockey game because it's what we do. But I should be I'm around later today. I was I was hoping to enjoy uh, a, a moment of relaxation uh, this afternoon with my family. But um that may not be an option for me today. But my daughter is actually quite skilled at the um, at, at at taking apart these iMacs with me. She and I did this quite a bit over the summer. Well, we talked about on. on, on. We are back for the third time because uh, I don't know what's going on with the audio interface on this thing. It's being really bizarre. It worked fine when I did it for uh, Leo's show last week, but maybe the fact that I'm recording here is an issue. Now I'm hearing myself on a really weird delay, and uh, but I'll I'll deal with it. It just makes me sound like I'm in a, a huge room or something bizarre, but we'll figure it out. So um, you're there, right, John? You can hear me. Yep. Okay. I'm here. And I believe we can all hear you. Um, the folks in the chat room will confirm that because they basically hear what's being recorded. And that's, uh, that is a helpful thing. So hopefully I don't wind up saying things that make us put the show into the explicit realm today, John, but, uh, that is how it's going to go. I am going to try now for the third time to tell you about our first sponsor. And that is smile. At smilesoftware.com. Smile. I love these folks, right? They've been making great apps for a really long time. And one of the things that made me so happy, and it was instantly an obvious thing, um, was when we were all at WWDC and Apple announced iOS 8. And one of the features was third-party keyboards. And what this means is that app developers can design their own keyboard. They put it inside their app. That's how it's shipped to you. But... The keyboard it up to you and you're the user. Remember you get, get to control your device, but all you do is turn it on and now you can have that keyboard accessible in all of your apps. And that keyboard can have functionality from the developer. And that's exactly what smile did. They took text expander, uh, which of course they made years ago into text expander touch syncs all of your text expander snippets uh, allows you to create shortcuts for longer bits of text and bake them into uh, to to all of your devices, you know, uh, and and sync and all of that good stuff. And with Text Expander Touch Three, with this custom keyboard, now Text Expander is available in all of your apps on iOS. You just toggle to this keyboard, and now. You've got all your shortcuts, everything that you're used to right there. If you want to write a mail message and you have a signature, 
that's baked into text expander. Maybe you, uh, you know, you're like John or I, right. And, and we have signatures that have our, you know, our Mac geek gab thing when we're doing support requests. But when I'm doing a backbeat media email, I have a different signature, right. For backbeat media and iOS doesn't have a functionality to let me, um, have different signatures for, uh, for these different things in an easy way. I could set up multiple accounts, but that's a pain in the neck and that's not how I organize my mail, but I don't have to because with text expanded, uh, I, I just have my signatures there. And now with text expander touch three, I have them across all of my apps, including mail on iOS. So this is just an awesome, awesome thing. If you haven't checked out text expander, do so, please. You can find it on your Mac, of course. Um, and that's available at smilesoftware.com. You can download a demo. Obviously for iOS, you've got to go to uh, the app store, but they'll link you there from right to the app. Uh, right from smilesoftware.com. So check it all out there at smilesoftware.com. And we certainly thank them for being a sponsor of Mac Geek. We love those folks and, uh, and they do good work. That's, you know, they're good people and that is really important, uh, but they do good work and we love their products just as much as we love them. So thank you so much to smile software. Uh, sorry <laughs> to smile at smilesoftware.com. All right, John, Let's uh, let's jump to Hunter, shall we? See if we can see if we can answer somebody else's question. Sure. This is going to be fun. Hunter says, speaking of mail, I'm having some trouble with my early 2011 MacBook Pro. Uh, he says, hang on. Now things are being crazy on my computer. He says, I had a few things happen at the same time that led to this situation, and I hope you can help me get everything back together. My hard drive cl crashed. Clicking is never a good sign, nor is it a good sound. Uh, the vendor wouldn't RMA the drive because I broke the seal on an external drive and made that two and a half uh, inch, one terabyte drive, my internal boot drive. Okay, fair enough. I wasn't too worried because I use Backblaze. Smart. Uh, I purchased a new Western Digital Blue one terabyte drive designed for laptops so I wouldn't encounter the same RMA issue again. The new drive came in and before I installed, I retrieved my data from Backblaze. I updated to Mavericks since it was shiny and new. Uh, I still have not installed all of the data as it is still downloading from Backblaze, but I got some of the crucial files back in place. Enough backstory. My problem is this. When I open mail, every time it prompts me to add a new email account. It is not grabbing the info from system preferences. When I attempt to add an account, it hangs and displays inbox read only. Any suggestions? I have a workaround using airmail, but I would prefer to use Apple mail if possible. So this is interesting, John, right? It sounds to me like mail has a corrupt data somewhere. Um, make backups before you try this. And I realize you've got backups, but, Make backups of your backups because you don't want to have to re-download data that uh, that that uh, that you've already got. First, quit mail. Once you've got your backups done, quit mail. Then go to your home folder. Go to library. Go to the mail folder, and go to the V two folder, and then delete or relocate perhaps to the desktop any folders that begin with pop dash or imap dash. But leave mailboxes, RSS, and mail data alone for now. Uh, then relaunch mail and see what happens. Uh, it will offer to have you reconfigure things. But in theory, uh, that may be part of it. 
Um, if that doesn't do it, quit mail again, get rid of those same folders, and then also uh, go inside that mail data folder, go one level deeper and remove or again relocate the accounts.plist file. That may uh, also be part of this. It's hard to say. I think what happened is you've got some of your data restored, but the settings, uh, the settings and the data that exist are clearly out of sync. Hopefully this will jog it back into into position. You got any thoughts, John? Uh, one thing you may want to do before that uh, is if you go to system preferences, internet accounts, you'll see various accounts there. And in almost all of them, uh, there are a number of ways to get here, but that's the most direct way. Uh, you may see an account and there is a mail item and there's a little checkbox. You may want to go through all of those and uncheck mail. Right? Yeah. Just put mail in a, in a known state and then do what you suggested. And I think between the two of those, I think those, I think that'll, that'll uh, clear things up because yeah, I'm with you with, you know, something's not quite right. And I think this, this may help get it right. Actually doing that on its own, just going to each item in, in internet accounts and unchecking mail until they're all unchecked and then starting again may, may get you where you're going. But, uh, uh, for a little extra oomph, you may want to do what Dave suggested and you know nuke all of all of those other things. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, it, it things are weird. It, this started with Mavericks, right? Where you started getting this mail account syncing more so than existed prior. I mean, it was there prior, but I don't know. It seemed to me like Mavericks and, and of course Yosemite now uh, have. There's some syncing of accounts that goes on that you can't really stop, even if you want to. Even if you've got it turned off sometimes, but um, I guess that's the beauty that is iCloud, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, sweet. We will move on uh, to Steven. Steven writes, he says, hi, John and Dave. I have a mid 2011 Mac mini with two gigs of Ram. I just upgraded to Yosemite. When I go into Apple mail, voiceover keeps saying mail busy. If I try and force quit, it says that mail is not responding. Any suggestions? So these types of questions are tough because we always ask for information, but sometimes information can lead you down the wrong path. But I will start with the information that we have, right? Well, I, you know, this reminds me of my consulting days when we had the office and I wasn't the one taking the phone calls from the clients anymore. You know, we, we had a, a, a team of dispatchers and they would answer the phone and schedule the appointments and it was up to them and they weren't computer techs at, at, at that level, some of them were computer techs at any level and, and they would have to interpret what the client's problem was, assign a, a rep, you know, like me or one of the other uh, folks that worked with us and then put a one word or one line description on the ticket that we would print out to take to the client uh, as to what the problem was. And I stopped reading those descriptions after a while because I would think on the way there, Oh, I might know what it is. And it would, often lead me down the wrong path. It was better if I just heard from the client, right? So this is one of those scenarios because Steven mentions having only two gigs of Ram. So it's hard not to immediately think of that as the cause, right? Because in my estimation, two gigs is not nearly enough Ram these days. It's um, especially for Yosemite. Yosemite does have a larger Ram footprint than um, the Mavericks did prior. So, so there's that, right? Um, and maybe RAM is all your issue is. However, let's pretend 
that Stephen didn't tell us how much RAM he had and shine this big light on what I believe you and I would feel, John, is is not enough RAM for for a Yosemite install, right? Would you agree with that? I agree because I actually have some RAM on the way, Dave. Oh, there you go. Nice. Well, I finally broke down and and uh, ordered some. Uh, okay, I got some. Cru- I, I got a 16 gig crucial kit for the MacBook Pro because oh, I've nice. noticed that it does pause at times, and I think 16 is plenty. I could have probably gotten away with eight, but hey. yeah wasn't that much it was a hundred something bucks yeah i know ram is ram is cheap again now which is good so but for the moment on for steven here let's pretend he didn't mention the amount of ram now we may have gotten to the point where we asked well how much ram do you have but um the first thing i would recommend is that you delete or clean your mail in envelope index files um these are mail keep mail keeps an index uh, it keeps all your messages and it actually keeps all your messages as individual files. They changed to this um, a number of OS iterations ago because it allows spotlight to work properly and index your mail. Uh, but it means that your mail is stored as individual files for better and for worse. Uh, it does make recovering from a backup simpler because you don't have some weird uh, database that that can get corrupted. However, um, there is a database because it's far more efficient to store all the details of those messages in a database. And that's what these envelope files are in mail is there is this database of individual files and with the metadata and some search data and things like that. So um, this can get corrupted and sometimes just needs to be whacked out. Um, I, we have a support article that uh, actually MGG Jim did as an MGG answers article years ago, uh, about how to clean or delete and and force a recreation on these these files, and I updated it the other day for um, for for Yosemite. Um, the article was a little old, but most of the instructions were right. So the idea is you're going to go into your you're going to quit mail again. Uh, you're going to go into your home folder, library, mail, V2, and you're going to go inside the mail data folder, and inside that folder are on your machine going with Yosemite going to be a bunch of files. I believe three that start with envelope index. The simplest way to do this. And we'll put both sets of instructions in the, in the, uh, in the show notes. Thank you for everybody in the chat room. That's helping populate the show notes while I'm on a skeleton setup here. I really appreciate it. Um, so, uh, but you're going to just delete those files and then relaunch mail. Mail will launch and it will be as though it's the first time you've launched mail since an OS upgrade. It'll say mail needs to update its indexes. And this could take a little while. It could, in fact, take several hours um, to do. So don't do this when you're, you know, when you don't have some time or you can't leave your, you don't have to be there, but your computer is going to need to do some work and it will then scour through all your mail and, and rebuild these indexes. That may solve this problem. If it doesn't though, and even if it does, it's probably time to consider getting some more RAM for that machine. That's my feeling on this one, John. Any thoughts? Mm-hmm. You're still with me? Okay. I, I trust your feelings. Yeah. I wouldn't trust I'm, much of what feeling. I got going on here I have on here another today. feeling, though. So this is something that's less um, under the hood, but something that I found sometimes will, uh, will fix mail oddness. Sometimes you'll... You'll see, and I, I almost always have this up here, but uh, so when you're running mail, there's an activity window that shows you all sorts of exciting 
things that are happening between your Mac and the various mail servers out there. Sometimes I notice it gets stupid or it gets stuck on something. And and a lot of times I'll see like the word cache or, or something similar. Okay. So I think another thing you may want to try to do, it's, it can't hurt and it's, it's a, I, w- I would at least say an Apple approved thing. Well, because it's in the mail UI is that if you highlight a mailbox that, so first off, look at activity and see if, if the computer, yeah, so I'm going to step back. One, look in the activity window and see if it's spending time. You may be able to find out what's making it busy. It may be rebuilding a cache or who knows what's going on, but that's the first place to look. Uh, but then if you highlight a mailbox and you go to the mailbox menu in mail, there's a rebuild option. Sometimes rebuilding gets things right. I've had this work for me in cases, especially when it's gotten confused about uh, a mail cache that has somehow got damaged or something. Because I've seen it sometimes saying, you know, I'm working on this cache for this mailbox. I'm really working on it. I'm, 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 and I'm like, all right, <laughs> you're lost. Uh, let, let, let's do a rebuild and, and get things uh, to a known state. So that's a, another suggestion I have for any mailbox that's giving you problems. That yeah, no, that's good. That that rebuild is interesting with with IMAP accounts. It actually deletes your local store of IMAP data for that particular mailbox and re-downloads it from the server and then also re-indexes it, which is super handy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just again, if you've got a mailbox with thousands of messages, know that that's gonna yeah. take some time. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Time to move on to Keith. Sure. Keith mentioned uh, at around the 20 minute mark of the last show, number 525, you said that you could create a custom ringtone in FaceTime. I have not yet been able to locate how this is done. I did find where they are stored and overwrote one of them with the one I wanted. I don't like this solution as it's a hack and will eventually break with an upgrade. Have you guys figured out if it is actually possible to set your own custom ringtone in Yosemite OS 10? Yeah. So this was interesting. We, we posited last week that the solution to having your phone ring at the computer all the time was to create a ringtone that has a little bit of sound at the beginning and then silence and then just install that custom ringtone and left it at that. Well, as it turns out, it's it's more than that. That works. As long as you can replace the custom ringtone, which you can't unless you know how. And this is where it gets interesting. So uh, these ringtones for face, there is no OS blessed or or even um, there is no UI functionality for replacing ringtones. Uh, so you, what you need to do is and these ringtones are buried they're in system library, private frameworks, tone library framework, versions, a resources, ringtones. Um, that's where they are stored. But as Keith astutely points out, if you put a ringtone there, it will not be recognized or displayed by the OS in the menu. So what Keith did, which is smart as a hack is deleted one of the files there and then put his new ringtone in with the same name. And that does work. Um, probably will break with an upgrade. Certainly something you should be aware of for an upgrade. However, there is uh, another file in there and it's called TK ringtones.plist. And, uh, and we found a, a page that explains how to edit this file. Uh, but if you're fairly handy with the terminal, you can just 
open this file and probably figure out what to do. You put your own ringtone in that folder and then you edit TK ringtones.plist and tweak uh, the P list to then see your ringtone. It's, it will not happen automatically. And then once you do that, then it works fine. So um, nice find Keith uh, made us do a little extra research, but that's really a good thing. So did you, did you mess around with this, John? What do you, <laughs> I know you have thoughts on this kind of stuff. Uh, as soon as I saw the word private framework, to me, that that, yeah. that signals don't touch this or can't touch this or won't touch this. And that, yeah, that that's delving a bit too deep for me to be comfortable with. It would be swell because, I mean, it's certainly doable from a, from the program itself if they just had an option saying custom or let me pick my own. But no, they don't. Right. Right. I don't know why. I don't no, think I you're going to break anything and and render your system useless by editing this particular portion of of the private frameworks, but um, yeah, I mean, you all you break that what's one that program? You'll just break one program. Maybe. Yeah, at worst, you would break. Well, you might break more than one program. I, who knows what mm. else uses these ringtones, right? Um, I mean, in theory, it's just FaceTime, but does messages use them too? Right? Is it possible? Uh, oh. I don't know. Uh, you know, th- this is where it gets interesting. But um, but yeah, certainly with an OS update, expect this to be broken and go away. Potentially, but it might not be. Uh, who knows? Still, that's what we do. Hack it up. Let's go. All right, John. Roger. He's a crazy little kid there, Roger. All right. <laughs> Roger writes, I received my iPhone 6 Plus this week and have decided to keep my old iPhone 5 as insurance in case of an accident with an existing iPhone by a family member. My wife dropped hers in the water twice in a month. It did not survive the second drop. What's your advice for storing the old phone primarily in terms of battery health? I've reset the old phone to factory settings and gave it a full charge. So I leave, should I leave it on or off while it sits in a drawer? Should I take it out every now and then and charge it? So, um, I always, when, when thinking about that, this is a great question and, and actually introduces a great idea. You know, um, there's all these options for selling or, or, um, handing off or, you know, doing things with your old iPhone. And it's sort of assumed for all of us that when we replace our phone, that's what we're going to do. But this is interesting to create, you know, maybe a backup plan that way you don't have to buy insurance and you've got something at the ready. Like today, if I didn't have another computer, uh, you wouldn't hear this show. And I'm still not convinced you're going to hear this show. But for the moment, we'll assume that it's all going to work. Um, so that's interesting. But if you're going to head down this path, the first question, the first thing that comes to mind when we start uh, talking about batteries is something Adam Christensen crystallized into the phrase, keep the electrons flowing, right? That's the, that's the, that we time and again, John, with whatever batteries we're talking about, that's what we've learned is the way to keep a battery healthy and perhaps even extend its its life. It really seems to be the right thing the, you know, the more you beat on that battery um, with beat being in quotes, because it's actually the best thing for the battery, uh, the longer it lasts. Right. So. um We'll take that as the foundation here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll recall an experience I had. I think it was with my iPhone 4S. It might have been a 5, 
It's possible it was a five. It was either a four S or a five. Um, I spent a week on a cruise ship as we sometimes do as a family. And when we get on the cruise ship, I don't, I am one of those people that detaches. Um, I try to anyway, and I've always succeeded thus far. We're doing another cruise at the end of this month, which I'm very excited about, but, um, and hopefully I can detach them too. But, um, I put my phone in airplane mode, right. And I put it in the drawer. Now it had been charged the night before I hadn't used it much. So let's say at worst it was at, you know, 90% or something. Um, I put it in the drawer seven days later or six and a half days later. I thought, Ooh, I got to charge my phone. Cause we're going to be getting an airplane tomorrow. I'm going to need, you know, connectivity. So, um, I pulled the phone out of the drawer and it was at, you know, 86%. So it, it lost almost nothing over the course of almost a week. And that probably is the right thing for you too, Roger. Keep the phone on so that the electrons are flowing and leave it in a drawer in airplane mode. This will keep it from getting in the way of whatever iCloud stuff you've got going on. If you've logged into that and um, I think it's the right move and it, it keeps you from having to charge it every day. Um, but I would charge it, you know, every week or two, but I think that's going to be enough because the electrons are flowing at this point. So that that's my advice. John, do you have better advice? I'm going to give you advice yeah. that Apple gives people. Okay. First off, I don't know why Adam is, is uh, singling out electrons. I mean, what about the neutrons and the protons and all these other subatomic? Listen, dude, the neutrons have their dance, right? (laughs) So, you know, they've already got something going on there. We've got to give the electrons some love. And the protons, the electrons are just very negative. Protons have like a cool name, you know? Yeah, I guess you're right. So, okay. Yeah. So you may be asking yourself, does Apple have any advice on this topic? Well, you bet they do. So if you happen to stumble across www.apple.com slash batteries slash maximizing dash performance, you're going to get some advice from Apple. I think it's close to and it, it, it's close to what you said there, Dave. So for long term storage, they recommend uh, you charge it to 50 percent. Okay. Do not charge it fully and do not let it and and definitely do not let it run down because uh, uh I guess this is still the case. I've never had this happen, Dave, but uh, uh Apple and others has have told tales of batteries where if you let them run down too low, they get into a state where you can not charge them up again. I've that's never right. seen this, but people talk about it. If they run so too they low say. and stay there for mm. too long, yeah. I think is the issue. Yep. Yeah, the battery gets a, a deep discharge state. That's what they call it. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then it can't hold a charge anymore. So, right, right. Uh, so they recommend, you know, keep your device at about 50%. Um, power it down, of course. Uh, and the Power it down? Cool moist- yeah. Well. You said power down, of course. That's, I mean, that, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Huh. Well, for long-term storage. Yeah. If we're talking long-term storage, which I think was the, uh, the, the, the just yeah. the question here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it, absolutely. Um, you know, cool, moisture-free environment. And then they say, if you plan to store it for longer than six months, charge it to 50% every six months. Pretty much marrying what you said is that every now and then, yeah, keep things moving. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's their device for, for yeah. uh, 
their advice for your device for long-term <laughs> storage. And I think it applies to pretty much any, whether it be a computer or a, a iOS device. Um, there you go. I like it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so leave it off. So that's the the difference between my advice and theirs is get it to get it there and then leave it off. So don't keep the electrons flowing, but just keep the battery um, somewhere in the middle, not at the top and definitely not at the bottom. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, John, I want to talk about our second sponsor here, which is Harry's. Um, and I'm stoked to talk about Harry's because, um, you know, last night, so this was Halloween week, right? And uh, last night, even though it was November 1st, uh, we played this uh, annual Halloween party at a, at a local uh, establishment here. And I always have to wear a costume. You know, everybody, it's a costume party. But, uh, but we in the band, we try to wear costumes. And sometimes we phone it in. Like our singer last night, uh, he wore a, a red shirt that was actually kind of funny. Uh, in fact, listeners here will appreciate it. It said costume downloading and had a, uh, had a, um, uh, just a progress wheel on it. And that was it. You know, he's like, just wait till it's finished. Wait till it's finished. So that was sort of a cop out. I did not cop out. Um, I had my daughter, she's gotten really good with stage makeup and liquid latex and all that. So she zombied up my face. And, uh, but before that, John, I had to be, you know, I didn't want whiskers poking through my pancake makeup. And so I needed to be cleanly shorn. And in order to do that, I turned to Harry's because Harry's has awesome razors. They've got awesome gear for shaving. They've got it at killer prices and, um, and they deliver it to your house for free. It, this is outstanding what they've got. So, um, so I have my Harry's kit and I, I put the, um, I, I still, and I want to talk to you about this, John, but I, I have the, um, the shave cream still. And I, I put that on and I, and I shaved and it didn't take very long cause these blades are really, really good and they last a long time. Um, I, I'm someone that doesn't replace blades as often as I probably should, but you know, the, these last a while, I don't shave often and they, they're, I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, you know, Harry's bought a, um, a, a factory, a blade factory in Germany. And the, the, because of that, they've cut out the middleman, right? And that's why they can offer you this stuff. I mean, you can start with a kit from Harry's on the website. The kit is 15 bucks, but for you, with your coupon code of MGG, you save five bucks. You still get free shipping. So for 10 bucks shipped to your house, you get a handle. I think you get three blades and you get a tube of shave cream or their new foaming gel. Um, and this is the month to do it, right? Because if you're going to, if you're going to celebrate Movember, right? We all know what Movember is here. So uh, if you're a male and, and you're going to celebrate Movember and grow a mustache, uh, you're going to want to carve that thing in nicely. And Harry's has you covered. In fact, uh, they have a limited run of limited edition Movember shave kits too, uh, with a special, uh, colored handle to, to celebrate Movember. So, uh, so whichever way you're going to go, Harry's is the, is the way to go. Now, John, I, I mentioned that I used yesterday, um, when I, when I, and I'm still really, I mean, it's amazing how, how clean this is. I'm still like, you know, this is good. 
this is about how I would feel if I shaved with my electric right before we did the show. And this was a day ago, but, uh, so I use the, the shave cream because that's what I, that's what I got. I have not gotten my second shipment from Harry's, but you have, and they have a new foaming gel, John, that you've been able to try. Yes. How do you like this? <laughs> At first I thought you sent it to me because the card said from or too good looking from better looking. I thought it was <laughs> you being a, being a wise guy, but um, yeah. So I got this uh, foaming shave gel and, and some other stuff. But yeah, foaming shave gel. I'm like, hmm, I better better give this a shot. And I've used it, Dave. Now, number one, read the instructions because, um, <laughs> well, this particular product uh, is uh, different from the cream in that uh, it's pressurized. Oh, sure. So, right. So, uh, so when you press the button, uh, you know, be careful. It comes out. <laughs> That's good. But it comes out. But then, uh, so it's a different experience, uh, slightly different experience, but it also, you know, so it's... Uh, comes out as a gel and then what you do is you uh well you can either uh, so i i opted to uh you know not read the instructions and i basically just you know rubbed it between my fingers and then it starts getting into a nice uh nice foam yep. or you could put the gel on your face and then you know lather it uh, up there rub it and and lather it up and, and it turns into a, a nice foam similar to the foam but it starts off as a gel but it's uh gave me a as as good a shave as as it did with the uh, with what you have with with the cream, so, yeah. You know, once I had it applied and you know didn't didn't really take too much. Um, and when you ordered much did my thing with Harry's and uh, and there you go and and yeah, now they offer I guess their kits. You can either yeah. uh, with, with a lot of their kits from what I saw here, you can either choose the foaming shave gel or for the same price the uh, the cream. So right, it's totally an option. The cream is the cream is decidedly not foaming. So if you really like that lathered up foaming thing, um, that's what the foaming shave gel is for. The cream is, is actually very thin. It, like I've said it before. It feels like silk in my hands. Um, and, and I really like shaving with the cream. I'm eager to try the gel, uh, as well, but the cream, the cream is, is something quite special. And, uh, and I really like it. And, you know, I will point out as, as many of you have pointed out, you know, John and I sit here and we talk about, um, using Harry's is the experience of men, because as it turns out, uh, I checked, we're both men, but, uh, but we have heard from many of you who are not men, uh, many of our, our female listeners. And you've pointed out that you've been using Harry's stuff too, and it works great. And there's no reason it wouldn't. Uh, there's nothing specifically, uh, gender specific about, about this stuff. If, uh, if you shave, this works fantastically. So I highly recommend you check it out. And I'd really appreciate it if you use the coupon code. Not only does that save you five bucks, which is significant on, on something like this. You know, I mean, these things aren't uh, th these things are inexpensive anyway, uh, but use the coupon code. It does save you five bucks. It also lets them know that we're the ones that sent you. And we really appreciate that. That's that's a great way um, to help support the folks and let the folks know. Um, who support this show. So thank you so much to Harry's harrys.com. And then the coupon code is M G G again. All you got to do is harrys.com. Nothing special to remember there. And then the coupon code gets you five bucks off M G G. All right, John, take us to Ted. Would you please? Ted writes, well, first he says he's not sure if he should have sent his uh, question to feedback at MacGeekApp.com. 
Um, but he did, and and I and we read it. So, uh, anyways, here's the question. Ted says, I just came back from a trip to Disneyland where I took lots of pictures with my DSLR, which is a digital single lens reflex, I believe. Uh, fancy camera. <laughs> I imported 18 gigs worth of pictures from my SD card to Aperture. Now I get warnings on my iPhone that I am out of space. The issue is that the recent photos are downloaded to my iPhone from my photo stream. I did not want this to happen as the pics are huge and I don't want them all on my phone. How do I prevent this and how do I delete them off my iPhone without deleting them out of my photo library on Aperture? Well, I'll tell you. Now, in the interim, I, I did try activating that, though it really wasn't re relevant to this question, Dave. But, you know, take one for the team, you know, which you, you encouraged me to do here. I did activate the uh, iClo iCloud. What do they call it now? ICloud, Photo library. Photo library. Yeah. And that doesn't really have any impact on this. It, it, it changes the experience on um, slightly changes the experience on your iOS device here. Right. But here is his. But 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 the problem uh, did not have to, th this problem has nothing to do with, with that. The problem here is that you have to, um, either through aperture or iPhoto and, uh, to solve this issue, here's what you want to do. So at least in aperture, you want to fine tune your settings here. So, uh, if you go to aperture preferences, iCloud, you will then see uh, a category, my photo stream. And there's a whole bunch of sub options under that. The problem was he had automatic, uh, I'm sorry. So there's automatic import and automatic upload. Here's the problem. He had automatic upload on. That's probably not something you want to do if you're dealing with larger photos. What was aperture. he, what is that automatically upload to? Uploads. Uh, so it's in the iCloud section. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. My photo stream. Got it. And then under that is automatic import and automatic upload. So See, I would think you would want, want automatic that. import. Well, automatic upload. Yeah. Maybe not. Well, so here's why I would think you would want it. Well, right. if, if you want, if you want all your photos from anywhere in your photo stream, then absolutely you do. But in this case, because he's putting his monstrously huge pictures uh, from aperture in the photo stream, it's blowing out as other devices. So I would argue you may not want to do that. And well, so um, the response I got back was, thank you for solving my problem. That, that is in fact something I did not want to do. So I think when, when he was in that part of aperture, he just said, Oh, both of these sound good. And, but the after effect is that you're pushing these monstrously huge pictures into, into the photo stream where that was his observation. And it sounds like he didn't want to, I don't either. Well, but here's, here's where I think iCloud photo library solves this problem for you. Right. Um, because I think you probably in a general sense, I certainly want that, right. Any pictures that I've taken, I want available on all my devices. Right. And one of the cool things that iCloud photo library does is on your iOS devices. It lets you choose whether you're going to optimize iPhone storage or download and keep originals. And I'm thinking if you move to optimize iPhone storage, that might solve this problem without limiting your ability to get your pictures everywhere. Right. I mean, that, that to me, that's the best part of this is that, you know, no longer is there this weird thousand picture limit that um, is, is not 
space dependent and and in this case right for ted screws him up because the thousand pictures weren't the problem it was the size of those thousand right that was his problem and if we're optimizing for the phone and kind of letting the phone manage what it keeps locally i think that could be a really good thing and this is this is where i think icloud photo library solves a lot of these headaches that were created by apple's kind of first step down this path so i'd be wonder i'd be curious if if ted moved to icloud photo library and then flipped that switch to um you know to optimize local storage if that would would solve his problem uh that's certainly something to try because I think that's the future of this, right? PhotoStream goes away. Frankly, so does Aperture and so does iPhoto, right? You know, we've, we've got a Photos app coming down the pike real fast here. So, you know, I mean, I think, I think the f- six months from now, this question not only would be answered differently, but I think it doesn't even get asked, which is really what we love about this stuff. And, and as, but my optimism there is tempered only by the fact that Apple has not really gotten the cloud right um, in this sense yet. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but that's the idea, right? Or am I missing something here? I, th- I mean, I think that's the whole point of iCloud photo library. Uh, right. Uh, but again, in this particular case here, I don't think you want to put, he doesn't want to, put the stuff in the photo stream i use uh, though i think i think i see what you're saying the thing is a lot of people use app my argument would be that a, a lot of people the way they use aperture um is that they don't want aperture to put every single photo in their photo stream and yeah i can I see that it. yeah and that's the way i use it I have projects defined within aperture and i'll selectively share those out typically to Flickr. okay um, I do use Aperture to consume my photo stream so I can see the iOS photos that I've uh, taken. And actually, um, so it's kind of in a weird state now because Aperture is speaking kind of photo stream, but kind of this iCloud photo library because I enable iCloud photo library on my two iOS devices. Yeah. And I'm still consuming, but it's still showing up in my photo stream. Right. In it, Aperture, it, because Aperture yeah. is importing that. So so it, it, you're kind of in a weird state here. But but again, I think it's it's also in this case, I think it was he just accidentally said, yeah, throw all, all my Aperture photos into the stream. And that's something that, that, that I think, again, a lot of people do not want to do. They, they, they typically select, selectively publish them using the. Uh, now, let me see here, because, yeah, I mean, there's share. Yeah, another thing, I, I think for sharing stuff, yeah, you typically want to within Aperture, you can click on the share menu. So rather than publishing everything, you can click on the share menu and then select iCloud and then choose uh, using the iCloud mechanism, which things you would want to share. So I think that's the model that yep. would work for most people. No, I can see that, y- you know, um, I'm thinking of it from the standpoint of the kind of the general uh, consumer, right? Where I, I, I do want to buy into Apple's paradigm of every picture I've taken with whatever device everywhere. Right. Because I, mm-hmm. you know, if I were at Disney or wherever, and I took pictures on our DSLR or even at one of my son's games or something, I would want those on my iPhone because 
frankly, that's where I look at pictures, right? You know, it's either there or I sync them to our, our library that, that kind of rolls as a screensaver with our Apple TV. But, um, that, you know, that's where I see my pictures. And so I, I don't want to have to think about putting them on my devices. I just want them accessible from my devices, regardless of how much storage space I have locally. So, um, that, but, but I can see if you're someone who spends a lot of time and, and tweaks photos and does things, you're going to need to find another package other than aperture eventually. Um, I mean, my guess is it'll continue to work, but I don't think we're going to see any more updates to it. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're going to need like Lightroom, right? Is that, maybe where folks um, like you at aperture refugees are going to go uh it remains to be seen so okay. <laughs> aperture aperture does work under uh yosemite oh sure I'm still using it right um but yeah it, it, and and then i believe they promised towards the beginning of next year they're going to come out with their new photos app right which i suspect will be have the functionality more than iPhoto, but less than aperture, but that remains to be seen. I don't know if we, any of us have really gotten a lot of details on that. Yeah. I think, I think less than aperture is a safe bet. They're not convinced it's going to be much more than iPhoto, but, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, you know, it, it does what I need. It, uh, you know, it's not like my data is going to go away. And if I need to export it, I mean, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm almost positive this happens. Yeah, I, I know a lot of my, my uh, photo colleagues who like a uh, you know more sophisticated package than than the freebie like iPhoto uh, have moved to Lightroom, and I believe Lightroom will happily import your uh, aperture. Oh, that's uh, good content, and then manage it. The last time I messed with it, I'm, I'm pretty uh, almost certain that they had a, a thing saying, "Oh yeah, you want to import your aperture stuff and abandon them." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. But now I'm, I'm, I'm still on aperture. You know, there are a couple of plugins that I use that still work with it. So yeah. 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 Looking forward to photos. That's uh that's uh yeah. I hope yeah, we're looking another forward staggered to photos. Release, uh, yeah. Another one of these staggered release things that, that uh, has a lot of people shaking their fist. <laughs> yeah. Well, Apple, you know, for a while there, Apple really, kind of spot what did what i called spotlighting and it has nothing to do with spotlight the search engine or the, the whatever the search functionality um is that they would focus the entire company on one thing at a time and we even saw this where ios and os 10 updates were being you know um alternated because they would literally shift everybody's focus or most people's focus now that doesn't happen right they've got um, plenty of people working there and they've got teams working in parallel on different projects and, and hopefully sharing notes, which it seems like they are based on all this, um, you know, handoff stuff and all that good stuff. But um, it doesn't create, it, it, it creates this scenario where things are stagnated or not stagnated, but, but coming, coming out in, in, in stages as opposed to, all right, here it all is. So, um, and this iCloud photo library thing is, is definitely that. Right. But we'll see where that goes. I'm curious. I, I like the concept though is, and I think certainly for the pros, it's not the right thing. Even perhaps for the prosumers, it might not be the right thing, but for the rest of us, I think it's an awesome thing in concept. We'll see how it is in practice. All right, John, we've got time for a couple more. What um, pick your favorite next one to do. Oh, goodness. I know. Um, yeah. 
Pick your favorite. It doesn't have to be about pictures. I don't think we have any about pictures. Uh, oh, since I had a few things to say about this, how about, how about Tim? Tim. I like it. Let's do Tim. And where is Tim? How come I don't have... How come I don't have Tim in my library here? No, maybe I do. Oh, I do. I definitely do. Great. Okay. Tim writes, here's my dilemma. I have a Drobo 5N. Uh, which has all of my iTunes files on it. So this is a network attached Drobo. Yes, I did the proper steps to point to this library as all of my content plays through my Apple TV. My iTunes advanced settings are pointing to my Drobo, my iTunes media folder, and it works just fine until I reboot my Mac. At that point, iTunes loads by default, even though I don't believe I have told it to do so. I have to wait until my Mac is fully rebooted. Then I go into iTunes and I have to change the music library back to my Drobo. This stinks if I do not remember for app updates or downloading apps or downloading music. Then it suddenly defaults and starts downloading to my hard drive. And now I need to merge things together. What is the solution? Why is iTunes launching all the time? And how can I get it to stop? So um, the issue is that iTunes is launching, as I understand it, before the Drobo is mounted. And so when iTunes launches, it looks for the library where it was last told to find it. It doesn't find that even as a valid location because the Drobo isn't quite up uh, and mounted yet. And I believe the Drobo is going to mount through Drobo software, which is perhaps what the delay is there. And because iTunes... Uh, is impatient. It says, well, forget it. I'm just going to create a local library and that's where we're going to store your stuff because we got to store it somewhere. Um, and, and that's what happens. So if only you could get iTunes to not launch at boot, this problem likely would go away. So there's a couple places to look. Um, the obvious one is probably, probably not where you're going to find it, but worth mentioning system preferences, users and groups go to you and then look in login items and make sure iTunes isn't listed there. If it is remove it. Um, but I don't think that's going to do it. Um, I, well, one thought is that it's trying to, if you have iTunes set to automatically sync when a device is connected, that may launch iTunes for you. So go into iTunes preferences, devices, and, um, Check the box that says prevent devices from syncing automatically. If your Mac has something connected, maybe you've got an iPod connected all the time or your phone is connected to your Mac to charge that might do this. Um, but if you check that box in theory, that will keep this from happening. If that's the cause short of that, I'm, I'm hoping you have some thoughts, John, because the only thing else I can think of is, take a look in your console log and, and see if there's something that indicates why iTunes is launching its startup or login, I guess is more appropriate, but interesting. So at first I thought you were going to mention what I was going to mention here, but you didn't. All right. No. So you said, said go to devices and then check prevent iPods, iPhones and iPads from syncing automatically. Correct. Okay. Well, I have a slightly different place is that if you have a device plugged in, you're going to see a, a checkbox on that devices screen. Um, yeah, let me look over here. There's another one that could also cause this. Oh gosh. Where is it? It's in, I, I know what you're talking about. It, if in iTunes, no, no, I'm sorry, open, I, I'm sorry, open iTunes. When this 
whatever is connected. So right. if you have an iPhone or an iPad, there will be a, a buried in the, you know, all the statistics about your device. There's going to be a box that says open iTunes when this whatever is connected. And it's smart enough to say iPad or iPhone or, or whatever that could be checked. Yeah. It's right on the general tab in, of that device in iTunes is where that's found. Yeah. No, that would, that would do it for that specific device. I, I just figured let's turn it off for all of them. And yeah, uh, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, and then another thing, and this is kind of dovetailing of what you talked about, Dave. So if you look in login items, and this one gets kind of sneaky. The thing is, you can put a number of different things in login items. Most people just have applications in there, but you can put other things in there, Dave. You can actually put network volumes. There's a handy tip for you. If you want to mount a network volume when your machine starts up, drag it over in that window and then it'll show up. I think it says volume or I forget the category, but you can also put documents in there, Dave. Right, right. Right. <laughs> and if you happen to put a document in there that is associated with iTunes, then it'll launch iTunes. So that's true. You know, scour that list. Now, how can you tell? You may ask, how can you tell what documents are associated with iTunes or when iTunes is going to launch? Well, Dave, this program still works. It's called RC Default Apps. That still works? I just checked it out in Yosemite. But, well, I think the thing is, is that the. Underpin the the part of the operating system that associates documents with apps and and a lot of these other things that really hasn't changed under Yosemite. I guess that's true. Yeah, but you know, RC default app is for longtime listeners of the show or for anyone that's gone back. I I don't even think we called the segment "cool stuff found" at the time, but I would venture to guess that during whatever opportunity you had to talk about your favorite apps. That was in the first segment where we did so nine and a half years ago, whatever it was. That's amazing. Right. So it, um, and so it has a number of categories. So one that I noticed where iTunes could be an option. So they have a, uh, I know actually, so it's not the internet section, but the media section. So there's a media section in this and depending on the type of, media <laughs> that you have uh, inserted into your computer, certain apps may launch. Mm. So, so it has a number of settings here. So for example, if the Mac sees a camera, you can say either ignore that or launch, you know, one of these apps here. Now in my case, you know, this photo apps, but, but actually in this one case here, let's see, Dave. Ah, so if I insert a music CD, <laughs> A what? Yes, Th this machine actually does have a CD drive still. Sure, yeah. it's the last. I think it's the last MacBook Pro that has a uh, CD slash DVD drive. Is that right? In it. I, I think all the ones past that. I'm pretty sure. I think yeah. the 2012 is where they started phasing that out, right? Yeah, yeah. But I wanted that along with some of the uh, other ports. But um, it says, oh, if I see a music CD. So uh, uh, in this case, I don't think you have a music CD <laughs> in your machine. But if you do. Then um, iTunes will launch. Yeah. Um, and then the last part to look in RC default apps is there's an apps um, section and it takes a while to populate. But then what it'll show you is every single application on your machine and what type of documents will launch it. So you could also look in this and say, OK, well, 
what type of uh, documents could possibly launch iTunes and it'll tell you. Maybe, maybe that could help you understand why this is happening. Right. Right. <laughs> there we go. And there we go. And there we go. And I think uh, I'm going to let discretion be. Oh, no. All right. We have a. Yeah. See, I, I had started the the um, the 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 song, you know, the the vamp there that we do. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and it didn't work. Something was wrong. Something was messed up. So I am going to try that again because I, what I was going to say is I'm going to let discretion be the better part of valor. And we've gotten through the good show here and I'm not going to test our luck. Before and I have the song crashing too. down. Yeah. Right. Before things come falling. I mean, it's been a, yeah, it's not good. So something just didn't rap, Dave. I assume you it hear the rap. music, John. Yes, sir. Ah, awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Right, I was let's, thinking, let's, let's, I was thinking last week that before it all falls apart, that we need to that this audio interface just isn't the right interface anymore. It's um, Tascam's not updating their drivers for for Yosemite. They updated them sort of for Mavericks. They were really late, so I've been investigating other audio interfaces too. It just seems like it's a fact of life dealing with uh, dealing with OS ten and all of that good stuff. But we'll we'll see because this is weird today, and I mean. This machine's plenty fast to run this, and yet it's, it's still being wonky. It's, ju- it's just this this USB interface from Tascam. It worked great for a while. Solved a lot of problems with that when, when OS X was weird with FireWire. It may actually go back to using uh, the FireWire interface in the Mackie, so in the Onyx port. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. You said yeah. you're on air right now? I am, yeah. That last I checked is a relatively wimpy machine in the processor department. Well, not not as compared to the machine that I've been running the show on for ten uh, years, right? Okay, I mean, it's okay. yeah, no, it. I mean, it, it. The reason I did it last week for Twit was because the air would happily crunch HD video um, in Skype, and there's no way that that this old iMac would. So, nice. yes, right. yes. You can email us to feedback at macgeekab.com. I yeah, swear my you preference can. is still feedback at macgeekab.com. Yeah, well, I like feedback at macgeekab.com. It doesn't mean that what you like is wrong. Uh, you know. Uh, but there we go. Uh, 206-666-GEEK is the number to call John. That number translates to... 4335, but... There's more. What's what's another way, John? Well, we're on the Twitters. All right. If you don't use Twitter, it's twitter.com. It's it's the greatest thing ever. You can communicate with all your friends and uh, you know, pass around jokes and uh, hurl insults and you know, whatever whatever you're into. Don't hurl insults. That's that's just not nice. Um, but on Twitter, I am John F. Ron. He is Dave Hamilton. That other guy is Pilot Pete. The podcast is Mac Geek Gab. And the publication is Mac Observer, all at twitter.com. We want to thank Michael Johnston, who is Michael Johnston on Twitter, uh, for converting this show to AAC and adding all the chapters and links. He is the host and producer of the iOS show podcast. I highly uh, recommend it. Would you? I would appreciate it. You'll appreciate the show, but I'll appreciate it if you go give it a listen. He does a great job there. It's uh, It's fantastic. So... 
Go ahead and check that out. Thank you, Michael. And also the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. They are the ones that convert. uh, (laughs) I'm in autopilot here. Um, They're the ones that provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And of course, I want to thank our sponsors, our sponsors for this show, Smile at SmileSoftware.com, where you're going to find out all about Text Expander and specifically Text Expander Touch 3. And also, of course, Harry's at Harry's.com. The coupon code MGG gets you five bucks off of the uh, any of their shave kits there. And I think you're really going to love that stuff. So check that out. Uh, in addition, our sponsors in the marketplace this month are Barebones at Barebones.com. Squarespace at Squarespace.com slash MGG. MGG gets you 10% off there. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G gets you seven days for free of all of their courses. Simon Allard is the guy who I'm taking this programming class with is a Linda author or a Linda producer. And of course, Drobo, M-G-G 5-0 gets you 50 bucks off that Drobo uh, third gen. So check that all out. John, we may have made it um, only having some hiccups once or twice, but uh, don't be like us uh, this week. Uh, we the, most weeks we try to imbue and effuse. And are there any other words that I can misuse slightly here? We um, we try to be that shining example, but uh, but this week clearly we're not that. So for you, you need to be the example for us. And this week, I ask you, please be careful. Don't get caught. Made up.